This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 199 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and this week it's me and Chris, so it's probably going to be a three hour long spectacular um, how are we doing, mate? Are you well? <laughs> good evening, yes, or good morning, or good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Uh, I'm very well, thank you, very well indeed. I will endeavour to um, keep my mouth shut uh, a bit and make sure we don't overrun time too much. I've heard, um, whilst reading Twitter, that around an hour is pretty much perfect for, for a certain person's drive to work, so okay. I need to make sure that I don't overrun too much for you. There we go. So, uh, yeah, um, I mean... I, I almost want to. I almost want to say about you know just jump straight into football, but I, at the same time, I really don't want to because I don't really want to talk about Saturday. Um, yeah, thing is, the way I see this is, is the quicker we talk about Saturday and get that done, <laughs> the more we can talk about the nice, exciting things like new players and it's a live very podcast. True, um, very true. It is important that we talk talk about uh, talk about Saturday. Um, do you want to do that straight away? Should we just jump well, into was, the deep end? I was going to say, like, it, it's the first time that we've sort of properly spoken to each other since we inadvertently found out we went to the same comedy gig at the same time. Yes, yesterday, last yeah, night. Yeah, went to, went to see uh, John Richardson last night, and we were both there. It was a very, very enjoyable evening. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, my other half got me it for my birthday about what felt felt like about three years ago, I think. The original one was scheduled for 2020 or 2021. Yeah. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Um, I just, I'm just a big fan of live, of live comedy, of stand-up comedy. So I've got quite a, a wide range of, of, of comedians. Um, I think what about John Richardson? He's just, he's just pretty harmless, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of quite light-hearted, and you can just take your mind away from all the rubbish that's going on in the world for a couple of hours. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Really good evening. Really good fun. Um, I think I'm, I'm very much the same. That, that's the last. I, sorry, I think I've got one more gig that was booked pre-COVID um, 
which was uh, Penn and Teller. I'm going to go and see oh, them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's I'm going to go really see them cool. later in the year. And we, we booked that about three or four months before COVID hit. So by the time we see them, it will near enough be four years since Bloody we bought the hell. tickets. Bloody hell, that's a long old wait, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think we had another one. We had another one booked, which is Daniel Sloss. I was in Lincoln right. as well. Um, he's probably my favourite comedian or one of top... In the top two or three, I'd say, um, but he he ha- he actually just cancelled it because he was he was suffering from burnout, and you kind of got to respect that, haven't you? Like fair yeah. dues. Um, it was a shame because I've never seen him live. I just I've only seen his like Netflix specials, but um, but that was a shame. But yeah, so we haven't got any um, kind of pre-COVID that are, are all done. That was the last one, but it was good. It was worth waiting for. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd that say that's our last one is uh, is later on in August. I want to say. Cool. I genuinely can't remember when it is at this point. There's <laughs> been so many dates for it. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. That's when. No, that was when it was the second time it got delayed. Um, but yeah, no. Well, well. Speaking of uh, being worth waiting for, yeah. uh, that's how I felt on on Saturday pre-match. I don't know about you. Went, I felt like went at a game for ages. Was really looking yeah. forward to Saturday. Thought, right, we've got a real opportunity here to go and you know really push on. Um, maybe have a slightly improved performance than we did against MK Dons. You can kind of. Almost as much as that was disappointing, you can kind of understand it away from home. I was thinking, home game, let's give it some here. Three points for us. <sighs> yeah, but that wasn't what happened, is it, at all? It, Sadly I mean, not. Sadly not. You know, it, I don't really... I, I can't find the words for for Saturday, to be honest. It was just dull. It was, it was really hard to watch. Um... It wasn't exciting in the slightest, and I just thought, you know, we, we got to a stage where I think about, well, probably about 35, 40 minutes in, you just think, if this game sparks to life in the second half, it'll be a bit of a miracle. Yeah, it was one of those games where the only way that any team was going to score was a catastrophic error yep. from someone else, or a bit of magic from an individual which you couldn't see any really happening, but no. um, yeah, like, I think you, you, it might have been you that put on about halfway into the game, like this is going to be nil nil, isn't it? <laughs> Again, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and it, and it was. It was obviously a nil nil. It was disappointing. There were a few boos at half time. There were some louder boos at full time. Um, I'm never one for booing the players. I'm never one for booing the club at all. But I can kind of sense the frustration. Understand the frustration. It's yeah. bizarre. It's bizarre to kind of feel. I understand why that happened after a game that we didn't lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it. We've spoken about you know games that feel like or you know games that we've had this season that felt like wins coming away, um, particularly you know like Ipswich, Bolton, those kinds of games with those yeah. kinds of performances. You come away from it and you you think, oh, that felt almost almost felt like a win. Um, but I mean, Saturday. It's a game that we should be winning, and I'm aware how arrogant that sounds. But if you want to be a team that is, you know, aiming to be competitive in the mid, you know mid-table area and, and kind of push into the top half of the table, maybe flirt with the playoffs at some stage, you've, you've got to be beating teams that that come and you know essentially don't do anything. And I, I think the worst thing for me was like, I think. Each keeper had to probably make one save. There were th- even those that were, were tame. Uh, yeah, yeah. According to the stats, we had two shots on target. They had three. Um, right. I but, can only remember one shot on target. Yeah, but the thing was... is, like, look, like, like, but also like a header that that kind of 
hits the ground four or five times and bobbles to the goalkeeper's <laughs> hand still counts as a still counts yeah. as a shot. Um, so I, in terms of expected goals, because I read some comments online and saying we could have played that game again and still wouldn't have scored, and yeah. statistically. That is correct. Um, we had an XG of 0.4, so we play that game another Jeez. 90 minutes. We still haven't got one yet. Um, they had 0.71, but it was yeah. Neither team looked like scoring. No, so, absolutely not. Um, anyone that kind of saw any of my comments on Twitter, or probably the majority of comments on most people on Twitter, will have realised it was a bit of a nothing game. It was a disappointing, frustrating match. But I am going to play devil's advocate to that just a little bit um, and say there are some positives. Now, I'll be honest. These were hard to find, um, but there are some. Like if we're trying to find the silver lining, and we had to look really hard on Saturday. Obviously, we didn't lose. We're still unbeaten at home, though that is harder to see a positive light on. Yeah. Um, and we didn't look like conceding at any point. So yeah. there mean, is, is something is that, there. Was that more? And I'm I'm going to kind of be I'm going to be the gas in this situation. Yeah. Um, is that more that you know we were? solid and resolute defensively or was it that Cambridge didn't really create a lot probably a bit of both I wouldn't say we we were like resolute in terms of like backs against the wall we were organized yeah um we you know we were we had a solid a solid foundation to build from uh so I I don't think there's a huge amount wrong with our defensive shape our defensive system our our personnel I think the strongest part of our team individually is probably at the back um and that's a part there is a positive there um you know the the home record is baffling, isn't it? In terms, of it's yeah. it's like that yin and yang because unbeaten at home, really, really good. Only one, two, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so I think was it? I think it was D three D four. Put they put a stat out and they said it was either D three D four or not up twenty, and they said that Lincoln are unbeaten at home all season so far, but there are only five teams who have taken fewer points. Yeah. in their home games than I've literally season. got that written down here I was going to mention yeah. it yeah so yeah. absolutely right um, it's crazy yeah it's bizarre so you know you win half of them you lose half of them you've got a lot more points than we've got now now would I prefer like psychologically to just be unbeaten I think I probably would yeah um, but we've just got to start picking up some points haven't we and you know what you was on about in regard to these are the sort of teams that we should be beating and, and you know, maybe there's an arrogant an, an element of arrogance there yeah I think if you spoke to me in November, I don't think that's arrogant at all. I think you know we've been on a half decent run. Mm. You know we we weren't we haven't been kind of free flowing or scoring loads of goals at any point, but we were picking up points, we were picking up wins, and we were scoring goals and creating some chances. But since then, um, in terms of the statistics, because I'm going to touch on Accrington later, obviously as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the underlying numbers, we are very much part of that same category of clubs that bottom six or seven clubs the numbers are very much similar you know we are part of that um we didn't learn anything new on saturday that we didn't know already we're relatively resolute and keep teams out but we can't create anything and we can't score now in terms of derby's not derby where's that come from (laughs) cambridge's um previous four matches that they played before they played us they'd lost all four they lost 5-1 to Shrewsbury, 2-1 to Bristol Rovers, 5-0 to Sheffield Wednesday and 1-0 to Derby. And they'd only had six shots on target in all of those games combined. Um, so in terms of what we were expecting in terms of their threat, I think we, we got what we expected. Mm. Um, they conceded, obviously, 13 goals in those four games and they conceded 25 shots on target and loads more shots in total. 
you know, they are the sort of team, if you want to be a team that is wanting to be or aspiring to be just that tier above the relegation battle, you're absolutely right. They are the sort of teams that we have to be beating, but we don't, which means that we're probably in that same bracket of teams yeah. at the moment. It's disappointing because I think we all know that the quality on the pitch, in terms of the individuals on the pitch, probably are slightly higher quality, maybe are slightly a tier above um, the squads of some of those teams that are down there, which I don't like to kind of bring this up, but does that then ask a question on on the more kind of the, the setup of the players? Because mm. I don't think anyone had a bad game on Saturday. No, no player on our team had an absolute stinker. No one was amazing. Don't get me wrong, um, but I don't feel like there's any individuals there that like, like he was a shit game. It was more. Yeah, that's a fair point. Actually, they probably weren't given the platform to play to their their best ability. So. I, yeah. I had a bit. I had a little I, bit I know of what rant you mean. I think. I think Saturday. coming away from it, there's obviously the frustration and the, you know, the, the general feeling that yes, we should have, we should have been able to take more from that game than we did. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can see what you mean when you say that you, you don't necessarily think that anybody had a, a stinker because I I can't put my finger on somebody on Saturday and say yeah they had a. They had a bad game. It's that's a really good point that I'd not actually considered. It was just a disappointing afternoon. Yeah. So where... for me, that means it has to be tactical, doesn't it? Yeah. And I then guess. I, mean... I don't like to point fingers, and, and I think I've backed up Mark Kennedy a, a, quite a lot this season in regard to his shape and his, his tactical changes. Mm-hmm. But my personal opinion is, just from a you know a novice's obs- ob- like observation kind of perspective, I feel like we've just got it a bit. A bit wrong. We we think, signed, yeah. yeah, we started in a four a four two three one. They were a three five two, which means that you know our spare man should be down the flanks. You know we mm. should have a a fullback and a winger against a wing back. We should have two v one on that side. Um, what I noticed that we were doing when we were attacking though is let's imagine we were attacking, attacking down our right side. So Regan Paul pushed on. Um, Sean Rowan, so the the fullback on the other side was not really providing any width at all on the other side. Their job was to tuck inside and almost play as like a holding midfielder to keep it a 3v2 rest defence against their front two. Makes perfect sense from a defensive perspective because it it gives you three players against their two in those transitions. So in terms of stopping the opposition having chances to score on the break, makes perfect sense. But it also meant we just didn't then have our overload on the other side of the pitch. That's where you hit the big switch or that's where you try and work it across the pitch quickly and you have an overload and then you can get the ball in the box. But because we didn't do that, it was more kind of that safety first approach. It felt like everyone else on the pitch was then marked by a player, which meant there was no open passes. I feel like Danny Mandroyu's best position is in the 10 role. I feel one of the reasons why we've changed to a 4-2-3-1 is because he played well in that system, in that shape, for the last 15, 20 minutes against Charlton. And we thought, that's his best position. Let's try and get him on the pitch in that position, get him on the ball. He had dead a kick. Mm. So for me, that's he... a, for me, that's a tactical issue. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, I, I'm probably going to get accused of, you know, having Mandroyu tinted spectacles on. But I think... You say he didn't get much of the ball on Saturday. I think when he did, he he looked like the possible outlet for stuff. Um, yeah, I think we but, we discussed it after the Charlton game, wasn't it? I think actually just yeah. saying what an intelligent player he can be and what a, a real key player he could be for us. I think he's, he's kind of our our definitely our most creative player on the ball. Mm. And, and I mean, right. it, yeah, it was it was just that there wasn't enough 
there on Saturday for him to to kind of let loose. And I think there was maybe one or two instances where he got the ball and you could see you could see his brain ticking almost and saying, right, well, if he can, you know, if I can get this through, then we'll, we'll be on to something. Yeah, but, but defenders to Cambridge, they defended well. They, they defended really deep, so there wasn't there wasn't space in behind. It felt yeah. like we just kept there wasn't a pass on, so we just kept going long all the time. It was almost like we were, we were trying to get the ball either in behind. But there wasn't space in behind, so it kept getting cut out by the stri- by the centre back. Ben House mm. isn't going to win a header against the centre back ever, really. Um, mm. It just felt like it just felt like we weren't playing to our strengths, and, and a lot. Can, and Gary mentions this a lot when he's on. He's kind of saying the numbers on a formation don't really mean anything, and he's absolutely right um, because they're fluid during the game, and he's absolutely right about that. Um, but at the same time, I just felt like the numbers that we had against their numbers, it was, they just completely nullified us, and. For me, the formation is there as a foundation, to yeah. uh, as a structure to allow your players to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. And when you have all of your players quite easily man-for-man marked by the opposition, which leaves you no choice but to just go along into a player that is whose strength is not winning headers. Like He's a very good player. We all know Ben Howe's strengths, but it's not winning headers. Mm-hmm. It just seems that maybe that's... That's got to be a system issue then. If you're not providing your players with the, with the structure to then perform to their best, the structure's wrong. As yeah. So I don't like to criticise too much. But I mean, I, I for think me, it's... for me, I, I'm just I think it's it's fair to kind of call it as I see it. You know, I'll, I'll praise when it's there, and I have done. I thought the tactics were rubbish on Saturday, and the fact that we didn't change the shape at any point, mm. apart from maybe the last ten minutes where we've kind of almost almost played like a front two and a four four two, but only a little bit. Yeah, so it was a rubbish I mean, game. Like you say, it's 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 easy. It's very easy to sit there and you know week in week out say that something is crap, something is bad because it is. Uh, it it's harder to to kind of find it in yourself to to praise something than it is to slap something off. Absolutely. Um, but you know when we we've always said. That you know we're, we'll be the critical friend to the club if something you know if something isn't right if, if something's not done right we'll call it out and I think you're you're spot on like they got it wrong on Saturday that doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody in the club is shit everybody on the tee you know everybody on the pitch is crap all of that 100%. it's it you know you have a bad game and I I kind of want to go back to um, the you know what what you and Gaz were talking about a few weeks ago with like the fly episode of Breaking Bad <laughs> like that is yeah. a bad episode of TV in some people's minds um, there are a lot of people that love it but that you know that's a bad episode but overall the show is fantastic and if you judge everything based on that snapshot which will be that one episode and say oh well it's crap because of that episode then you know it's not it's not looking at the bigger picture and I think there's been uh, there's been a lot of you know people looking at things in isolation and taking those and saying well because of this then you know because this is bad everything else is bad um but i mean it it kind of you know we said it last week it it felt like a very difficult and very concerning week last week leading up to the game and it it kind of seemed like it was going to continue um but then we came on to you know the following following few days and um on monday which surprised me a little bit um 
Monday we had uh, the announcement that we'd uh, we'd signed someone. We'd done a transfer. We'd, we'd done a transfer. <laughs> we got a striker. Yay! Um, <laughs> so yeah, just just finishing off on Saturday. Um, you know, I said I'm maybe quite critical there, and I do think there are there are mitigating circumstances. That game was crying out for two strikers. Yes, uh, absolutely. And we didn't have another one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and it was, and, and Mark Candy made a point after the game of saying. You know, yeah, maybe we were a little bit short, but it was just for one game. You know, we we've got twenty one, twenty two games left, and we have to build a squad that's going to be able to cope with those. And if we have to not sacrifice, but maybe leave ourselves short for one game, which gives us the opportunity to then become stronger for yeah. the rest of them, I it's mean, a I- risk worth taking. And Tom Hopper left the club, yeah. um, and we signed Luke Plange, and one of the one of the reasons that we was able to sign Luke Plange, you know, we was up against Charlton, who bigger club, more local to him, you know, he's at least Palace. Um, you'd fully expect Charlton to, to probably win that race. But the fact they've got four or five strikers on the books already, we'd made the point of offloading Tom to say, hey, look, we've only got one of the striker. You will play if you come here. He decided to sign on the, on the dotted line for us. Absolutely. So in the bigger picture, the grand scheme of things, we didn't lose on Saturday. And... Yeah, maybe sacrificing that that one match for the the greater good of the rest of this season and being able to sign a what what you know what Gary has mentioned to me since that he was told by the club was our number one target. He said he was told four targets that were strikers in hierarchy. You know, if we can't get him, we'll get him. If we can't get him, we'll go for him, etc. Luke Plange was our number one target. We yep. got him. So that's you know credit to the recruitment team where you know where it's due. They get they get a lot of often undeserved stick um, but credit where it's due got our number one target well done everybody involved absolutely um, and I, I, I just want to pick up on that quickly um, I don't want to sort of dwell on it for too long but it's a point that I made um, to Gaz when he was doing his uh, it wasn't a dog walk it was a treadmill walk as oh, yes, a, I, uh, I watched that as well yeah yeah as a uh, sort of you know transfer window uh, closing special um, but the thing that I, I mentioned there is that the recruitment team get an awful lot of stick. Um, you know, you say it's undeserved. Personally, I feel it's undeserved as well. I mean, sometimes, yes, people do get things wrong. But from where I'm sat, I feel that the recruitment team have done more right than they have done wrong over the past few years. Um, and then you look at the thing that you need to look at from my from where I'm sat is some of the players that have come in haven't necessarily done it at Lincoln, but then they've gone on to, they've gone on and done it elsewhere, or they've gone back to the parent club and done something. Or you know, Morgan Whitaker, for example, you know, went to Plymouth, tore it up this season. To me, that suggests that the recruitment team are looking at the right things. They're looking at players. They're saying, oh, they they they're looking like they could do something. They bring them into the club, and then for whatever reasons, you know, I mean, you look at um, Dan and Lundley, for example, you know, didn't have the best time here. You know, was that the style that we were playing? Was that something that he wasn't particularly comfortable with? Did he not gel with, you know, with the manager? Whatever it is. But then other ones like um, Jordan Garrick, for example. You know, Forest Green scored two goals in three games. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you look at his time here, and he came in. And it, it felt like he was going to get game time straight away. But then yeah. we we had, I think he got injured relatively quickly when he came. 
then we had to bring him back for the uh, the was it the Carabao Cup game or the trophy game? I think it was trophy game. Yeah. Um, so oh yeah, because it was Man United kids, wasn't it? Of course um, it so, was. Yeah. yeah. Brought it back for the trophy game, where he then subsequently got injured again. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, that is bad luck in terms of injuries. He was and also he never, a victim of circumstance. Yeah. We saw you know, him he never found his way. He never found his way back into the team. Yeah. Um, and you, all of these things. I mean, again, Morgan Whitaker. We, we've discussed this on the podcast before. He was played at right wing back. You know, you look at you look at what he's doing now. That's that's a ridiculous spot for him to play in. And th- these things to me suggest, like I said, that you have a team that are looking at the right things about players, and they're saying, right, this is a, this is clearly a talented player. We want to bring them in. We want to help them develop, and all the rest of it. And through circumstance or through luck or whatever it is, it doesn't work out. That doesn't mean that. A, the recruitment team is bad, or B, that player is bad. It just means that the timing and the circumstances and, and everything else around it might just might not have worked. Yeah, there are so many factors that once a player gets to a club that should dictate whether they're a success or not. Some of them are in your control, some of them aren't, a lot of them aren't. Yeah. Um, but from a purely res- recruitment perspective, your point is a really, really good point. The fact that players are going on and doing well elsewhere, even if they weren't a success here absolutely shows that we're going after the right players mm. and you know you're never going to get every single one right the best you know the best recruitment teams in the world don't get every single transfer right but the ones they get right massively outweigh outweigh those ones that they don't um so i think that's a really valid point mate and and you're absolutely right with it um you know, it's just frustrating when they can't do it here that yeah of you know, course I'm, of course it is but that's I'm when not, you have to ask questions about about you know the, the, the deeper issues as to why that might be but yeah. the recruitment team specifically often get a little bit of stick jez jez kind of takes the brunt of that partly because we don't see anything you know we don't have that communication we don't have that kind of line that kind of um yeah that line of communication with them do we he's, he's kind of a behind the scenes that we all hear about it's a bit silly kind of criticizing them mid transfer window though when when you know, so like we'll we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll touch on some of the signings. I'm sure we will, but obviously we've signed Ethan um, Erehan. I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah. We'll probably say it differently for the next six months until we uh, get told I, I, correctly. I'm sure it was something like a Harhan or a Haran. I know because there was a little you mentioned earlier when we were off, yeah, off the, camera. The... He, he did a little video, like a welcome, you know, like a, like a introducing himself to the fans, and he said his own name, but he said it in a very strong Scottish accent. Understandably so, he's from Scotland, uh, <laughs> but it means that you know for for. An, you know, a player like up like me, I still don't know how to say his name properly. Um, um, let me just—I've just got the video. Arahan. Arahan. Okay. Arahan. So I wasn't—I wasn't a million miles away. Yeah. But so, um, according to him, the man himself is Arahan. There we go. So one of the things that he said in, in his short interview um, was the fact that, um, and one of the deciding factors that Lincoln was the right club for him was the fact that Jez went there in person to watch him and speak to him and, and, you know, present the club to him. You know, so at the exact same time that people were giving Jez stick on social media, he was in Scotland securing what could be a key, a really, really exciting player for us. I, I know a little bit about Ethan Erhan anyway, um, and I was, when, when it was, we real, I knew that we were signing him, I was firstly surprised because I thought he'd be going to a championship club personally. Wow. Um, and I, I think he, if everything, all the stars align, you know, of course, um, everything's got to got to go right. He's got to settle. He could be a huge signing for this football club. And Jez was there. And one of the reasons that was con- that that someone of that quality was tempted to come to Lincoln City was quite simply because Jez was doing his job right. 
Mm. And and I, I think that that's the, that's another key thing is that if you've got somebody that's in that role able to go to places and get you know get those conversations had, Mark Kennedy wouldn't necessarily be able to do that because he's probably going to be playing at the same time as we are. Yeah, of course. You know, and it's it, I just want to you know I want to say that this is not kind of turning things around and going oh Jez is great he's brilliant he's the best thing ever like you know it's it's kind of a, a almost like a bit of a look behind the scenes at, at things that people might not necessarily uh, appreciate about what's what's going on absolutely. with it absolutely I just think it's it's so easy as I said earlier it's so easy to criticise and um, I like to think we can be a critical friend to the club at times and you know everyone's open to their opinions but that also if, if you're going to be openly critical you have to be. You have to openly praise when things are doing well. You know, we've had a good transfer window. Um, you know, I think we are stronger now than we were at the start of the window, which is the hope of any football club going into a window. Um, so credit has to be given now. Now, of course, you can't judge um, the individual players until maybe the end of the season, maybe even this time next season. But right now, on paper, we are stronger, in my opinion, um, yeah. than we were going into the window, and we've we've signed some really promising players um, on permanent deals that potential have the potential to be a real success at this football club and potentially earn the football club some significant funds in the future. And Absolutely. I mean, speaking of, you know, the, the, the promising players, uh, we've brought in uh, Dylan Duffy from the League of Ireland. Um, he, uh, you know, 20-year-old, um, it's, you know, it's been talked about that there were some potential championship suitors available for him um and again he's decided to come here it it sounds like it's another project player um you know he's not going to go straight into the first team on saturday he's not going to start um and i think it's going to be another you know kind of charlie kendall ben house situation yeah, i think so basically ben house mark two isn't it yeah um, slightly think, different position on the pitch but that very much that style of signing yeah i mean i think the the thing for me with um you know with, with ben house is Obviously, he came into the club um, last January, and he stuck around the club. He was, you know, he wasn't immediately put back out on loan. Whereas Charlie Kendall stayed at uh, East. Was it Eastbourne? Eastbourne, yeah, yeah. Um, I was trying to think. Was it Eastbourne or Eastleigh? I can never remember. Never distinguish between those two. Um, but you know, Charlie Kendall obviously stayed at Eastbourne, and he was playing there, and you know, staying at around that level. Whereas Ben House was sort of fully immersed in in the setup, so I would expect to see a lot more of of Charlie Kendall, you know, featuring for us next season. Um, yeah, I think so. I th- and it, I think it, this- he has to do. He has to probably hit the ground running at Bromley. Yes. Um, for him to kind of you know, if he scores you know, five or six goals between now and the end of the season, and he gets fifteen games under his belt, then he's going to be in a really good position to push on next season for us. Um, if he doesn't, then 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 maybe uh, there's going to be a, a little doubt here or there in terms of what what is his level but yeah. you know we wouldn't have signed him unless we thought it was worth taking a risk absolutely and then I you know I think this is going to be the same thing um you know relating to to uh to Dylan Duffy um yeah. he's going to come in he's going to um he's going to you know potentially improve himself and come into the first team training environment it may be that he goes out on loan at the start of next season um or you know potentially even join a couple of other lads that we're going to talk about shortly. Um, but, you know, it's it's not necessarily a negative when younger players are coming in and immediately going out on loan because it means that we've secured the future 
mm-hmm. where we've secured well, their future with the club. It's just their development. It's like what we're doing for you know for certain other clubs. Well, a really good example of this, in, and at the elite level, is Brighton. Now, Brighton yeah. have signed a lot of players. Like Moses Caicedo was linked with an eighty million pound move. They signed him for what four million pounds, but he then went back. He went out on loan to Beerschot in Belgium. Um, they signed McAllister, Alex McAllister, three or four years ago, who obviously won the World Cup recently. But he went straight back out on loan to the club they signed him from. Then the next season went out on loan to Boca Juniors, then got in Brighton's first team. Brighton are doing something very, very right, and that's that's why they can sell someone for millions and millions of pounds and on the pitch nothing changes because they've got someone ready made who's been in and around the club getting the experience for a year or two um, that's the way to do it you know Brighton approving at the elite level that's a really good way of operating of course that doesn't mean that, that we're not going to sign a player that goes straight into the first team but it means yeah. that there is definitely value in getting players in and then potentially loan them loaning them out again um, I was actually watching I was on Scout watching um, watching Duffy highlights uh, well before we was came on the pod tonight because um, I didn't know a lot about him obviously I'm sure most of us didn't so I thought I want to know a little bit and I mm-hmm. got, a little bit, got a little bit excited watching it um, so obviously you only see the best bits when you're looking at highlights you don't see you know the negatives um, <laughs> yeah. he scored four goals last season uh, two direct free kicks with his left foot um, I saw one of those it was an absolute belt yeah it was definitely um, one um, diagonal run through um, shot low with his right foot across the keeper from the edge of the box and the other one was a header um, perfect hat trick. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, if it was all in one game, it would be. Um, <laughs> but it showed he's obviously got versatility in his game. Got a couple of assists as well. Um, it seems to be primarily playing on the right, but he's primarily left-footed. But clearly has a strong enough right foot. So yeah, he could be one of those players, a bit like Ben House, really, in that we can probably mould him into whatever we need him to be, mm. and hopefully utilise his strengths. So yeah, he's not someone that we can maybe expect to see in the first team getting 90 minutes here or there. We might see him getting you know a few minutes to, at the end of a game here or there this season, but maybe expect to see a bit more next season. So what I'm thinking is, shall we just remind everybody of every single player that's left the club, every yep. single player that we've signed, and then yep. we can decide between us whether that's, you know, whether we are stronger or whether we are maybe uh, not. Absolutely. So I was, I was going to kind of go through um, the the outs, but we might as well kind of do all of that together um so leaving the club um permanently uh, yeah. we've obviously had uh, Jamie Robson, Jacob Davenport, Jordan Garrick and Tom Hopper mm-hmm. going out on loan we've had uh, uh we've had Charlie Candle um, went out on loan to Bromley he has been joined by Sam Long get some you know a bit more first team experience um, at a higher level than where he was at previously he was at Boston yeah, it's um, an interesting one with Sam Long because yeah. um, obviously we, we've seen him when he's played he's played, obviously played a handful of games for us and, and, and impressed he got rave reviews when he was at Dragada last season um, was in a struggling Boston side this yep. season um, hasn't had rave reviews from there I'm not saying he's been awful but he came back to us because Boston signed two goal, two permanent goalkeepers hmm. Um so there's obviously they either wanted to upgrade or or just get a bit more experience in that area. So I was a bit concerned when he came back. You're thinking, oh, what's well, what happens next then? And he's yeah. gone to a, a club in the league above. So yeah. you know, I think that credit there to, to his ability. Um, let's Absolutely. Hope, let's hope there, there is another you know another keeper at Bromley that's decent, but one got also got recalled by I think it was possibly Brentford. Not sure. I, I don't want to quote that. Um, mm. Who they had in goal? Um, I forget the guy's name. He got recalled. 
So I'm hope, hopeful of, uh, of, of Long getting some game time in the National League. Um, and then obviously we mentioned Kendall earlier. So yeah, yeah. Good. I think they're good loans for those two players. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that it's going to, hopefully it should do a bit of a uh, bit of good for Charlie Kendall's com- uh, confidence. Yeah. I think that seems to possibly be, you know, I'm not going to try and put words in people's mouths, but it, it, I wonder if that's the, the biggest issue of going to Sutton and sitting on the bench for, you know, the first six months of the season. He just needs to play games, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the more he does, the, the better he will be. Um, then it was kind of alluded to uh, by Gaz last week and said, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, players potentially getting, you know, going out to the League of Ireland again. Um, and unsurprisingly, Freddie Draper and uh, Elitra Hui have both gone to Drogheda again. Um, which, you know, again, I think I said it last week. It it makes sense for it makes perfect sense. You know, for 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 a young young for younger players who are sort of on the fringes of the first team, shall we say? You know, they're not they're not going to break through any time soon and, and become permanent players. But you know, I think we had to do that with Freddie Draper last year for obvious reasons. Yeah, but. To go out and you know get game time in a in a different league, a different environment, um, but also the benefit of having a season that starts later, and they will be playing during our closed season, they will come back and they'll be match fit. Yep, they'll have had ten, you know, dozens of games under their belt. I think we don't need to kind of we don't need to. There's no question marks over the benefit of that because Sean Rowan. Is, yeah. pro- is a shining example of exactly the benefits of that. Sean Rowan played 20-odd games for Drogheda um, from this time last season through the summer, joined our pre-season, and has been a first-team player since. And he's been one of the shining shi- one of the shining lights of our season. You know, for someone so young to play so maturely and cement a place in the first team, you know, one of the reasons that we sold Robson was because we had Sean Rowan there, yep. um, who was a solid left-back. So it meant someone who we'd paid money for and we can potentially recoup some money for wasn't getting the game time because he's been kept up by a 19-year-old. Absolutely. Credit where it's due, but also credit to Drogheda um, and, and the club for organising that that loan. It clearly worked a treat. Um, so if Freddie Draper can go there and score 10 goals for team now and the and, and our pre-season starting, at least you're a who we can go and play first-team football, um, again, get 20 games... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. We've got we've got two young players there who have the potential then to be involved in our first team squad 
next season. Um, Absolutely. Um, I completely understand the concerns around striker depth. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're a young, I, I would much prefer to see someone with the potential of Freddie Draper going out and actually playing football and developing his skills um, mm-hmm. than coming on and sitting on the bench and getting 10 minutes here or there for us. I think yeah. he's going to get, he, for the long term like health of our, our football club, Freddie Draper playing games now is more important than him sitting on the bench and getting 10 minutes. 100%. Absolutely. And it goes back to, you know, a lot of stuff that's been said about why aren't we buying, why aren't we spending, you know, X amount of money on Jaden Stockley and it's like well because it's not sustainable for us to do so yeah. um, and ultimately that's what it's going to come down to in you know in, in the bigger picture of everything at the minute is that we need to be a sustainable football club mm-hmm. um, as much as that's going to sting for people you know as much as that's going to be hard to, for some people to swallow you know they're, they're not going to be able to say well we, we want the best players in League One everybody does but the problem is, if you want the best players in League One, you're going to have to spend massive amounts yeah. of money. Well, the amount of money that Fleetwood would have spent on the transfer fees and wages of Jaden Stockley and and, uh, and Marriott yes. is going to be astronomical compared to what we we could do. And as much as they are big names and they have historically been successful in the last eighteen months, well, certainly the last six months, definitely in terms of um, Stockley, they've they've not scored many goals. Yeah. They haven't they haven't been key players in their teams at all, even though they were, you know. Marriott, obviously, four, five, six years ago at Peterborough, got his move to Derby for big money because he was prolific. Stockley has been prolific at the league below and had been a key player in Charlton's team in the last year or two. But there's a reason why they were available for transfer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is just absolutely not the sort of signing I'd want us to make. Would I Would I have wanted us to maybe get a, strike, a striker with an 18-month deal as a bit of depth? Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, we, I, couldn't I put a, another, we couldn't have got another loan in, but yeah, uh, I mean, but I, I, I think a, we're okay. We got what we needed. We needed a striker. We got a striker. Absolutely. I, I put a poll up on on Twitter and I said, look, what would the what would the general feeling be of the transfer window? I was like, obviously, you can do four options. So it's like, absolutely smashed it. Fine, but could have done with another one. Um, uh, fine on paper, but a bit sceptical. And then I think the last one was, um, you know basically fucked it that <laughs> you know what was the result um i'm just bringing it up um the vast majority of people were in the uh solid could have used one more camp which i think is where i'm at as well to be honest um yeah, i think i'm if there was one in between the top two i think the players we've got in have been good players so smashed it in terms of the personnel that we've brought in mm. but still could have maybe done with one more if i'm being greedy uh, yeah, I, I think the, the the could have used one more thing for me is is obviously it's it's nice to have it's always nice to have that extra striker because if you suddenly you know have an injury or you know an illness goes through the camp or whatever we've seen what can happen when you know one player gets injured and then all of a sudden somebody's ill mm-hmm. and another player you know picks up a knock in training and the next thing you know you go into Oxford with no strikers. Yeah, it could, it could, it can leave us a little bit of light. It also maybe limits our tactical flexibility a little bit. It means yeah. we're unlikely to start as a front two if you've only got two strikers in the team because you haven't got one to bring off the bench. But we are forgetting Joven. You know, Joven Makama has come mm-hmm. off the bench a little bit recently, so he is kind of that third striker that you know we're not expecting him to start many games. But you know, there's no reason why he can't be that kind of backup and that 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 one that can do that. Um, so so we may be forgetting about him. So we mentioned permanent signings out. Robson, we mentioned kind of maybe he he struggled purely because 
the asset that Sean Rowan is, and then yep. we brought in um, Boys mm-hmm. as, a, as a direct replacement. So that's a one for one. For me, um, it's difficult to see whether it's an upgrade or not because we haven't seen enough of Boys yet. But we know that Boys is a much more attacking player than Robson was. So maybe there's a few similarities between Rowan and Robson in that left back position. Whereas Boys and Rowan, you've got two very different profiles of players that play in the same position. So you've got one that's very attacking, one that's much more strong kind of defensively. So you've got horses for courses there, maybe. We've mentioned Jordan Garrick gone out, victim of circumstance, um, maybe unlucky with us, victim of circumstance for injuries. Also the fact that when we signed him, we were playing wingers. When he was fit, we weren't playing wingers. He leaves the club, we're playing wingers again. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously we've got Shadipo in yep. as a winger. Um, he's, I think he showed a little bit of spark on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we said, no one was given the platform really to, to have a huge amount of space to, to, to show a lot, but I, I think he looked he looked okay. Um, I'm not going to you know rave about him yet. We haven't really seen a huge amount. But, but on again, if we look at this on paper, from the information that is available um, in terms of their history, as much as Jordan Garrick has been involved in promotion chasing teams before, he was never a start, you know, a guaranteed starter in those. Jadipo has been in, in in League One before, and he was, you know, he has started for QPR this season. So on paper, is that an upgrade? I think it probably is. Yeah. So the next one, Tom Hopper out, Luke Plangin. I don't think there's much of an argument that it's 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 an upgrade. Um, no, on, on the pitch, certainly, you know, from what we've seen from Luke Plange, or what yes. we know from Luke Plange, he's, he's played 20-odd games in the Championship, he scored goals in the Championship, he had a £1 million-plus move to the Premier League, on the uh, to Palace, on the back of that, and has been out on loan um, in Belgium and scored a couple of goals there at the start of this season. So, in terms of goals, in terms of kind of... And also, just just, just if we're putting a little bit of a trust into the recruitment team, knowing that he was our number one target, yep. there's some positives there. And obviously, from a goal-scoring perspective, Tom Hopper scored two, what, two, three goals in the last couple of seasons. Um, yep. He's been, sadly, um, a shadow of the player that was in our, our playoff campaign. But yep. one thing that, that Tom definitely brought, there's a reason that he was given the club captaincy. Clearly, off the pitch, he was a big character and an influential, influential member of the squad. So, yep. maybe off the pitch, there might be a bit of a bit of a hole there. But I think in terms of what happens on the pitch... We've probably got to say there's, there's, there's definitely an upgrade there, but yeah. let's let's be respectful of the fact that there's probably going to be a little bit of a void, maybe a leadership void, um, yeah, with a Tom Shopper shaped hole in that off the pitch. Yeah, I, I think the thing with you know with Tom, like you say, off the pitch and the, the sort of club ambassador role, mm-hmm. um, he played very very well. Absolutely, um, you know, if there was anything uh, community based, he was there. Um, he he fitted the kind of you know like Nathan Arnold and then Harry Toffolo kind of mould. Yeah, very similar sort of kind of level of professionalism, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it was always you'd always expect to see Tom somewhere, uh, which you know is great. Um, but just then, obviously, we're going to come on to uh, Ethan Arahan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that you, you know obviously Luke Plange was the number one target for for the striker role. Yeah, um, and. Ethan was the number one target for the central midfield role. Yeah, um, and obviously Davenport, Davenport going out as a centre midfielder, Arahan coming in as a central midfielder. Obviously, virtue in terms of squad depth got injured, which may have influenced that a little bit as well. But you know, sadly for Jacob Davenport, we hardly saw him. Um, I saw I watched him in the Doncaster match. He looked really good until he went off with an injury, and then we never really hardly saw him since. So there's, mm. there's undoubted ability there, but in terms of his impact on the actually on the pitch it's been minimal and we've replaced him with somebody who I'm personally really really excited about 
Yeah. Um, uh, so Gaz always uses the the kind of um, the, the fans of the club that the players are leaving mm-hmm. as as a benchmark as yeah. to you know how we may sit, uh, how they may fit in, or how they may perform here. It sounds like St Mirren fans are really gutted that he's gone. Yeah, understandably um, so. Yeah, like I said, I know a little bit about him. Um, anyway, because I'm a football, I'm a nerd, uh, and also because of football <laughs> manager, I'm football manager. Ever since he was 16, he's been a high, like a, a player that's had yeah. high potential. So you kind of, when you spot them when you're playing the game, you think, oh, I'm going to keep an eye on him in real life, sort of thing. And they kind of always looked out for him. Um, so he's a primarily left-footed centre midfielder, but perfectly adequate with his right peg. Um, he has been playing more of a, a six, so that's that slightly deeper role this season, but is more than capable of playing of an eight. Of all the clips I've seen, which is quite a few, he likes to tackle, he looks after the ball well. He's not a massively, you know, I wouldn't say he's a hugely creative player. He's not going to be doing a George Grant ping the ball 60 yards and taking three or four players on. He's probably more in that in that virtue mould, like right place, right time, really careful with the ball. Um, he seems to have a bit of strength about him, really good work rate. I think um, that's what we needed, though. To be well, honest, we, we knew we needed we needed yeah. an upgrade in central midfield because playing two in there with Sorensen and Sanders just that, that dynamic just sadly hasn't seemed to work brilliantly yeah. yet. We, we just need a different profile in there. Um, and again, that doesn't you know, going back to it, it doesn't mean that they're bad players and that they won't fit into this squad. It's it's all about finding the system and finding the roles exactly. for those players. It's about finding that structure which allows them to play at their best. Absolutely, um, we all know that. Um, that the, the last Sorensen's best position is playing in a three. He's really good in a three, yep. but when he plays in a two, then maybe he's a little bit limited. And I think the same might be said for Max, because Max likes to get on the ball. He's got good work rate, but he likes to get on the ball. He likes to spray the passes. He likes to get forward. That's his strengths. And when he's he's a bit more restricted in a two, he just hasn't got the freedom to do that. So yeah, Ethan Erehan is a player I'm incredibly excited about. What's also really good about him, I think it's a perfect kind of profile of signing. You know, he's been playing. He's had first team appearances for St Mirren since he was 16 years old. You know, he started the game when he was 16 years old in the, in the in the Scottish Premier Division. That it takes a certain type of personality to be able to yeah. do that, let alone ability. It takes a certain amount of mental strength to do that, succeed, and then play more. He's 21 Absolutely. now. He's played 120 odd games um, for St Mirren, uh, and he's a he's a player who Rangers have been um, have been linked with in the past. Um, a lot of the St Mirren fans were thinking, you know, not surprised to see him go with him being out of contract at the end of the end of the season, but expected him to go to a bigger club than Lincoln. Um, so I think there's two things to look at that. Credit to the club for getting it over line, but also the fact that he's been linked with clubs that are perceived, you know, that are bigger and better than us shows that that's, that's the quality of player that we've got. Um, of course, there's always a caveat. It's his first ever move. He's a lad yes. from Paisley. He's played for his hometown club. He's never moved away from that area. So there is, you know, an element as, you know, how does he settle? There is, I suppose, there's always a small risk involved there. Um, yeah. I th- but I if, think if the stars align, we've got a hell of a player here. Yeah. And again, that's that's going to be a big thing for me is is the pressure that the, you know, certain elements of the fan base are probably going to put on him. Like the, the rumoured fee that's gone around is is essentially not entirely correct it's not definitely not well, yes. an upfront fee no our understanding uh, is that the fee is significantly lower than that 300 to 350 that has been quoted now yeah. if the stars align um then and everything goes well 
then the fee could rise to that. I I don't know, but I imagine that will mean if he make if he makes X amount of appearances, there'll be a little trigger yeah. there. If we you get know, promoted, it's like that we bit... then we'll owe them a mat. If we sell him on, they'll get a percentage of it. I imagine it'll be that yeah. sort of structure. It is literally like that bit on Football Manager, isn't it? Where you, you kind of you're desperate to get a player, and the club won't let them go, so you just keep adding clauses in. Yep. To say right, well, on the never, never. <laughs> yeah, so like, if they win the World Cup, then you will get seven million pounds. Yeah. It's like, well, why are you suggesting that? You're in League One. It's like, well, you know, if he wins the World Cup, we'll pay you seven million. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. There may be. I imagine there'll be some. Obviously, not the World Cup, but there'll be those types of clauses though in yes. that deal. Lots of lots of transfers that involve young players involve those sorts of clauses. Um, you know, we we kind of have those sort of clauses when we've sold sold players on. Obviously, um, Teo Eden was a, a prime example of that. We had a mm-hmm. sell on clause there, so we put a clause in saying, "Hey, if you sell him on, um, not Teo Eden." Yeah, sorry, yeah. That was when we were signing somebody. Who am I thinking of here? Uh, George Grant, wasn't it? So we said to Peterborough, yes. like, if you sell him on, we'll get a percentage of whatever that fee was. They sold him to Hearts. We got a percentage of the fee that we got that, that, that yeah. Hearts paid for him. Um, so that's that's kind of how it works. One surprising element from uh, transfer deadline day, or just the window itself, is that Tashan Oakley-Boover is still a Lincoln City player. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder if um, if part of that is, you know, the fact that you know, Mark obviously said when he, he sat with he sat down with us when he came to the club, he said that he's worked with Tashan before and that he mm-hmm. likes him and he likes to have him around. Um, he's you know he's a good a good character, a good influence on people. So whether it's a case of him continuing to develop at the minute, I I don't know, yeah, or whether it's, it's just a, a situation where you know that there wasn't a recall option in the loan deal and we didn't have the option to send him back. I, yeah, I just don't I, I know. Think there's- my my mentality is, is there's got to be one of two reasons. One being that is that you know part of the agreement of the loan is that it was a season long loan and we we couldn't recall, uh, we couldn't cancel it. Maybe Stoke could recall him because they normally can, but maybe from our end we can't. So maybe the only way that he was going to get a move was if Stoke was able to negotiate another loan for him or a permanent transfer out of them, and they weren't willing to recall him without that kind of guaranteed out maybe mm-hmm. I don't know or what you mentioned is that Mark Candy did did mention that he's someone that he likes around and has, has seen potential in um, in which case you know there might be something on the training ground that he wants to really mould in with one eye potentially on him involving him more in the next few months and potentially being able to sign him permanently end of the season yeah we don't know obviously but it was it was certainly a surprise and we knew that we were obviously over our loan quota now for those people that may be a little bit concerned about that um you're allowed to have as many squad, loans as you it? want, yeah, but you can only you can have a maximum of five loans in your match day squad. So um, if he misses out and Virtue's obviously injured, then we're going to be at our five anyway, so it's not a problem. Um, but if everyone's fit, that's when there might be a little bit of a, an issue there where you fully expect Tashan to be the one that misses out. Um, so yeah, I, I have to admit, I was surprised. I am, I'm not disappointed because I, I think he has shown flashes. Um, I would love to see him get fit. I would love to see him you know, you know, know, adapt to League One football. And then yep. it could be it could be an asset, you know. We've seen it in very short flashes, but I did, you know, they were there. If, it, if we can unlock that, then then there is a player in there. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I think the final bits of news really um, were the confirmation of the the departure that we spoke about last week. Uh, Ross Burberry has moved on to Derby, so we obviously wish Ross all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other the other bit of news, which I kind of felt a bit surprised by because I thought he'd already signed a contract 
Um, but uh, Oshin Gallagher has uh, signed a long-term deal as a professional footballer at Lincoln City Football Club. Yeah, I, I, I could, I th- I'm with you here as well in regard I thought he'd already signed a deal. So I'm thinking what has happened is he got offered his pro deal. So he announced that he'd signed his, his first-year pro deal. And now he's got a long-term pro deal. Right, OK. Um, that so, so that's what I expect. You know, um, He's been in, in and around the first-team squad for a while. I know we haven't actually mm-hmm. seen him in action yet. But he's been on the bench and he's been in, that, in and around the squad for... Best part of a year now, I'd say. So he's clearly, from the, like, the club's perspective, not a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget he's a centre midfielder. Um, so in terms of squad depth, again, there, if if there is a good six months for him, because he's not gone out alone, you know, and he, yeah. he so he can't. He's got to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, Freddie Draper signed a long-term uh, deal uh, earlier in the season, or was it in the summer? Like not not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got we've got some long we've got some good young players here who are. Uh, who the club clearly think highly of, and getting them tied down to long deals is a real positive. It means that they want to still be here. It means that we're showing we're showing faith in these players. And you've only got to look at Sean Rowan to yeah. show that that. Hang on, here it goes. Here comes a bingo card to show that that pathway is there <laughs> for the players um, to come into the youth team. Um, yeah. You know, get get experience in training with the first team squad. Get a you know a development loan, and then get chances to, to perform in that first team. Yeah, we, we, it's been proven. Sean Rowan is living proof that that is that that is there. Um, you know, Draper has had a, a, a few, flirted with the first team a little bit. Um, obviously, Sam Long has 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 a, a, at times. So there is there is definitely a, a you know a pathway there for them. Indeed, it's good, it's good news. It's good news for the club. You know, we've got to celebrate things like that. Absolutely, um, young players often get poached by by bigger clubs. Um, and if someone does come sniffing in the summer, we've got them on a long deal. We'll get a decent fee for him. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think. Definitely, um, definitely a more positive place than we were in this time last week. Um, yeah. Given you know, I think there was a lot of concern uh, about the the state of things and the shape of things, and you know, we, I said to Gaz, I think I used the term worried last week, and Gaz said, look, there's there's concerns, but there's nothing to necessarily be worried about until. 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Well, I think a lot of the questions that people had and a lot of the, the concerns and worries that people had about the squad depth, about the, the transfer window, they've been answered, you know, and they've yeah, been... Um, absolutely. So there's got to be a bit of pressure lifted and there's got to be a little bit of positivity, hopefully, in regard to, you know, the fact we've got these players through the door and they, they're hopefully going to help us progress. Well, I, I, did see, I did see quite a few comments um, that suggested, you know, that people said, right, OK, they've done the job now. Um, so it's it's back over to the football inside. Yeah, I think that that's that's what I, a question I was going to ask you um, as well, kind of on your opinion, because I feel like it, obviously it's, it's it's often a vocal minority, possibly, but there was quite a lot of you know comments and, and genuine concern and criticism to both, maybe equally the recruitment team, namely Jez um, primarily and and Mark. Um, they were both getting a bit of criticism, certainly after on Saturday. I know a lot of that is emotional. A lot of it is kind of really, you know, quite um, in the moment, sort of, you know, immediately after in the aftermath of the game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But you kind of got to say, well, no one can criticise the recruitment team now. You know, certainly not for the next few weeks. You know, because they've done their job. So yeah, hopefully that means that then the football inside of the football department have got the tools now they need to go and improve things and, and push on. But you know, a devil's advocate. Does that then mean that kind of if all the pressure's on them now, you know, it was maybe evenly split between the recruitment team and the football inside because there was issues with both of them. Transfer window shut, recruitment team's done its job. Does that then mean that that pressure really shifts onto the football inside? And leading into Saturday against Accrington, how does that manifest itself? 
Um, well, I, I don't think that the... Uh, I think the, the, th- the question about pressure is it's a difficult one when you're not in a transfer window to say that the recruitment team is under pressure because they have a, you know, they have a fixed window mm-hmm. of time to kind of look at stuff and go, right, we need to get X, Y, Z in, we need to do it within this period of time, and we've done a load of work beforehand, and all of a sudden now this is where the fruits of our labours are shown. So, like, they have a very high-pressure period of time that kind of shows a lot of their work, whereas, obviously, you know, with Mark Kennedy, he has 90 minutes a week mm-hmm. to show this is what we've done on the training pitch, this is, you know, this is how we're setting up, this is how we're, we're moving forward as a club, but ultimately... It'll be judged over the course of a full season. You'd hope so. Y- yeah. You really um, hope so. So I, I don't. I mean, yes, there is now pressure on the football inside, but I mean, we'll move into Accrington because going into it, um, we are still without a win in thirteen games in the division. Yeah. It's. <sighs> It's a bit of a blessing in a way that this is an away game. Um, it gives the you know it gives the new recruits to come in and, and kind of hit the ground without that intense focus on them in in a, uh, the, you know in the way that it's not a home game they can kind of go and and almost relax a little bit play their own game in the in the debuts and make sure that they can do what they need to do. Um, but you know, Accrington, another team that are in the bottom four. Mm-hmm. So they are six points behind us at the moment. So the argument there is that it's a six-pointer. It's it, I wouldn't necessarily class it as completely, but if we win this game, we then put a bigger distance between us because it's a game that they can't win, we can't lose. Yeah, absolutely. You know. But uh, looking at that from the other angle. Um, they're six points behind us with a game in hand. Beat us, mm. win that game, level. So it kind of is a six-pointer in that regard. But League, um, I think Gaz made a, 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 um, a reference to this on his little on his treadmill walk video. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of saw it somewhere as well. Uh, the League table versus the top ten. So basically, for What's the point haul that every team in the League One has against the team that are in the current top, the teams that are currently in the top ten? We are mm. second in the league. Yay, that's really good. Um, against the teams that are currently in the bottom ten, we are last, dead last. Mm. So it's we've discussed this you know, for the last god knows how many weeks. The 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 proof in the pudding for us and the real challenge for Lincoln to move away from that relegation zone is: can we find a way of beating those teams? in and around us in the bottom 10 in the table. So far, we haven't really been able to do it. We've only beaten Morecambe this season of those teams. Um, Saturday is a big opportunity to try and do that with some, you know, hopefully a little bit of fresh fresh blood in the team, some fresh you know, maybe enthusiasm, some players really wanting to impress. Um, it's a really good opportunity for us to pick up points. Um, but Accrington are no mugs. And kind of similar to that point I made against Cambridge, we say these are the sort of teams we have to be beating if we aspire to being that tier above the relegation kind of threatened sides. Yeah. All the underlying numbers suggest that we are we are very equal to them. Um, so, Atkinson's expected goals so far this season in League One, 1. 1.3. Ours, 0.99. Very similar. 
Uh, average shots per match. Accrington, 12. Um, us, 8. Which is the lowest in the league, by the way, by quite some, some way. Um, but we generally, about one in every three of our shots hit the target. One in every four of Accrington's hit the target, which actually means shots on target per match, pretty even. Um, average possession, 47%, 43%. Almost equal. Um, passes, 300 to 316. Both with a 73% accuracy. We're a very, very similar team to Accrington Stanley. The only real difference is that they they never change their shape during a match. They're always a back three, always in a three-five-two. Um, we've obviously been a bit mix and match for our, for our shape, haven't we? Mm. I've been trying to predict this. I've been trying to. I want to think. Well, what can I talk about? How can I kind of analyze this tactically? How can I predict this going? Honestly, not a clue. Hmm. Don't know. Depends what system we play. Depends if we play to our strengths or not. Um, it's a tough one. But I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not as confident about this as I was against Cambridge at home, and that didn't go to plan. So well, that I'm, means we'll be all right then. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I, I'm positive with the silence we've made. I'm really, really positive. So I think from a squad perspective, we're in a much, much better position. Um, not just now, but actually for the future as well. Yeah. Um, is Saturday a little bit too soon to see that have a real impact? I don't know. I, I, I'm, my mentality is if we don't lose, that's okay. Let's really push on from there. If we get yeah. beat, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to see some positives. I think that's that. that's the initial concern for me is that you know how are the new signings going to drop in if they if they hit the ground running? Great, you know. But we've sort of seen other signings hit the ground running and then not necessarily do quite as well. You look at Lee Angle, you know, mm-hmm. scored a hat trick on his debut, didn't quite live up to it after that. I mean, obviously he scored a few. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for Saturday. Um, obviously, their record is is not great at the moment, but they have got a couple in the W column. Yeah, well, the, um, they lost mm. the Leeds at the weekend in the FA Cup. There was really it was a really positive performance from them. Um, but it's an FA Cup game; like you can't really read too much into those. Like fair play, good performance, lost, but they performed well uh, in the league. Their most recent result was a three-one home loss to Barnsley. Before that, they beat Bristol Rovers at home two 0 Yep. And their game before that was against us in the in the Pizza Cup, and we all know what happened there. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm in your camp. I'm hopeful. If the if we can play a system which suits the players, we can play to our strengths, and the and the players that I'm excited about can can have a really positive impact on on the first team squad. We've got the players on the pitch capable of winning that game of football, um, but we can't escape the stats and we can't escape the run that we're on and the fact that we do struggle to beat those teams in that part of the of the table yeah. so it's very difficult to be super super duper positive um, I mean something's got to click something has to click at some point and it's it's that it's it's just like you said before you look at the players that we've got I don't think we have bad players in our squad no you know that there are no players that I would I would say oh, they're well below the level no, I agree with you. Individually. When you put them together, something hasn't quite clicked. You know, you don't get somebody like Lars Sorensen, who was at Stoke for you know for a while and he, was, he came through the development and, you know, was playing maybe not in the first team there, but he's, he's you know, he's been around the he first team. He had first team appearances for Stoke. Yeah, not necessarily regular ones, but, he, you know, he's been around the first team picture there in a championship club. You've got, you know... That kind of quality 
So th- there's obviously something there. It's just that, like you said, you know, he plays best when we're in a three. So I don't know. The I don't squad think that we a... have now, I think, gives us tactical flexibility. We have the ability to play a back three, um, which that's, that's generally my preferred system anyway. So I'm always going to be a bit biased towards a back three. But we have the potential to do that. We have the potential to play a back four and a four-three-three. We've seen recently we can play a four-two-three run. Though it has, it's been solid, but it hasn't actually given us the attacking output that maybe we'd hope to by taking a player out the back line and putting him in the turn roll. Um, so there's tactical flexibility, but then there's also you want to make sure that you're playing to your strengths and, and maybe yeah. almost settle on a system that's your kind of your like plan A, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. so it'd be really interesting to see what we decide is our plan A, and to actually play in a way that suits us. Because if we play like we did on Saturday, which was a system which just did, in my opinion, just just did not suit the players we had on the pitch at all. But like we said, there was some mitigating circumstances in terms of squad depth for that. We haven't got that excuse now. So. Yeah. If everything goes well, we can win on Saturday. If we don't lose and we stay hard to beat, and if we look like you know, if we showing a few flashes of maybe a little bit of attacking output, I'll be satisfied. Um, that then means that it's not going to be a too difficult atmosphere for our life part next <laughs> Thursday. Um, and then, of course, we can go into the Bristol Rovers game with a little bit of positivity. If Absolutely. we win, of course, it's going to be brilliant. That's going to be a real, a real, real boost. It takes us away from the relegation zone. It shows that you know, recruitment's been good. We've got, we've got a win on the board. The whole feeling around the club's going to completely shift. I think, I think a draw gives us, you know, it, it just lets us, you know, keep the high of the, of the transfer window. It means that we're not feeling any more negative than we are now in terms of on the pitch. That's great. Um, a loss would really ramp up the pressure, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I think again. It I, goes I don't. Back... Think, I don't feel like we're going to lose. I don't feel like we're going to lose. Yeah, um, I, it, it kind of goes back to to what I said to to Gaz last week that if if we draw and we have a good performance, that's the that's a key thing for me. Is that, you know if we don't lose and we play well, that's a sign that things are moving in the right direction. Whereas absolutely. last week we didn't lose but we played badly and it felt like a loss. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you can you can draw one one or draw draw nil in, in in a game, but it's a very very different feel of the game, can't you? So I'm, I'm completely with you. Obviously, we all want three points. We have the potential of getting three points, um, but we do know that there is a challenge in terms of beating those teams in and around us. Um, but we've got. I feel like we've got the tools to do it. Um, Absolutely. But if we don't lose and we play well, and we have going into a home game on the back of that, I'll be relatively satisfied. Yep. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's the footballing side of things done. Um, so we will wrap up um, by saying that if you haven't yet submitted your application to come along to the uh, live recording of the uh, 200 episode spectacular, um, then get on it. Uh, there's a site. There's a post on the site at the moment. I believe Gaz is getting another one up for the weekend. Um, with the form and everything to, to kind of, you know, pop your name in, let us know how many people are going to come along. Um, and we'll see you there. I believe we're about three quarters full now. So it's not terrifying in the slightest. It'll be great. Th- firstly, thank you, everybody, that has that has, uh, that has submitted that application already. I think it's worth just stating um, no one's going to receive like a confirmation email or anything. So if you've applied for a, yes. a place, you ha- you're, you're coming, you're allowed to turn up, that's all good. Um, yep. And there's still a little bit of space left if you if you haven't got round to it yet. I think there will be some details going out oh, from perfect. Gaz shortly at some point. Oh, um, so it's not an automated confirmation. You know, we're not, we're not quite Ticketmaster or C-Tickets. Thank God. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we will... Um, there will be some information 
going out for folks. Um, the timescales that we have, um, we've kind of spoke to folks at the club just to make sure everything's all right. The doors will open to the Legends Lounge at 6.30 in the evening, um, where I believe, uh, I think uh, your good self, Chris, will, will more than likely be on the door. Yep. Saying hello to folks. And, <laughs> and, That's um, fine by me. It's all good. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll get that there. Um, we'll then kick off at 7 o'clock. Um, and throughout the evening, we will have uh, you know Mark Kennedy, we'll have Danny Butterfield, Liam, uh, Liam Scully's going to be there. And also we will be joined by Paulie O'Connor. Um, and a little bit of news uh, tonight. Uh, there, is a, uh, there is a strong possibility, shall we say, um, that... Uh, the the raffle on the evening will be uh, the the top prize for the raffle will be uh, for one of Paulie O'Connor's match worn shirts. Wow! So that's, uh, that's yeah, very generous indeed. Uh, there will definitely be you know there will definitely be shirts. Uh, well, at, at least a shirt in the raffle. Um, you know, so I think we're going to go for the traditional pounder ticket job for the raffle. Um, and yeah, you know, Pody will be will be there. We'll be able to have a chat with him. Hopefully, he'll be uh, you know up for some up for some good laughs. Um, yep. We'll draw the raffle. You can go away with a you know potentially a match worn shirt. Um, and I'm going to get another one of the larger versions of the Sinsel Banks printed as well, three um, D printed. So uh, you know that's that's another thing that we can give away in the raffle. Um, the bar will be open. There is also going to be food. Chris is celebrating the fact the bar's open. It's the first day um, of my holiday. I'm off, I'm off for 11 days as of Thursday. So, yeah, I'm quite perfect. excited the bar's open. Uh, yeah, so the, the food menu, um, it will be, uh, there'll be pies and sausage rolls available. Um, I've been told it's uh, £4.20 for a pie, add 50p for peas and gravy. There you go. And uh, 3.50 for a sausage roll. So, yeah, come along, get yourself some food, have yourself a beer, enjoy the night. Um, we're going to have, I think, three segments um you know to to break up the evening a little bit and then you know with a little little break in between uh, in between to get yourself to the bar we are also planning on having some former players down uh, the former players stuff will be exclusive to the evening so it's not going to be put out on the podcast that's going to be just for the people that are there on the night uh, so yeah get yourself down if you want to get involved with the the former players we're just kind of working that out at the moment in terms of who's going to be there for that um but yeah, very exciting times. Um, Tell you what, since you, since it was me- it was first mentioned in our group chat and and we you know, it was first muted to it being a week away, that has absolutely flown by. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> like we, so I've I've been, uh, we, I was in the Legends Lounge um, yesterday with some folks, um, and we were talking about stuff and the number of questions that I had about it, where people were saying, "Are you nervous about it?" I'm like, "I am bricking it." Like. When you go in there, it oh this is a big room, and then like the stair the the stage is two steps, literally just two steps, but you go up those two steps and suddenly you think, I'm on a stage, and this is a big room. You'll be fine. You just do yeah. the same thing you do every week. It's all good. You'll be absolutely yeah, we'll be fine. fine but, uh, I was going to no, say I'm not nervous at all, but there's a reason I'm not nervous, and that's because I'm not doing you're not it on stage. <laughs> <laughs> just you two, um, yeah. but it'll be great. Uh, I understand why you feel a bit nervous, mate. But you'll be you'll smash it. Yeah, it'll, be re- like it'll, it'll be a really good occasion. I think it'll, it'll be something that we all remember for for a long time. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I think the the key thing that we want to do is, you know, 
it, it's a little bit self-indulgent, but we've, you know, we, we, we want to be able to celebrate the fact that we've hit 200 episodes and the fact Absolutely. that the club have given us the room is, is phenomenal, really. Um, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big space for them. Um, I understand, you know, they, they want to push the Legends Lounge and get people in that, that haven't been in there before. So if you haven't been in the Legends Lounge and you want to come along, see what it's about, again, you know, tickets cost nothing. We'll have a bucket collection on the door for the foundation and all of the profits, all the proceeds, sorry, will from the raffle um, will go to the foundation as well. Perfect. Uh, so hopefully we can, you know, raise a few quid for the foundation because um, they do some phenomenal work and it's not really until you ne- you realise or you need it that you realise what they do. I was I was talking to somebody yesterday who said that, uh, you know, a family member of theirs fell ill um, and one of the key organisations that was able to uh, to help them and, you know, provide them with support and, and all the rest of it was actually the foundation. So, um Brilliant. Phenomenal yeah. amount of work. Any anything that we can, anything that anyone can afford uh, as a little donation towards them, I'm sure it'd be gratefully received and put to good use. So, hundred yeah, percent. It, it promises it, to be a really good night. Yeah, it's not mandatory. We didn't want to make it mandatory for you know obvious reasons, cost of living and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, to you know if, if you if you've got a couple of quid in your pocket or any change or anything like that, just chuck it in the bucket when you get there, and uh, you know we'll make sure it all gets to the foundation. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, just yeah, just just getting a little bit nervy at this point, but we're all good. I, I'm pleased that yesterday. I'm, I'm pleased that the transfer deadline day went well, and I just yeah. hope that Saturday goes equally as well. If it does, then I'll be really looking forward to Thursday. So until then, I think that's probably about it, isn't it, Chris? I think that's job done. I uh, failed in my attempt to keep this uh, under an hour, so apologies <laughs> to everybody. Um, but yeah, so I will. I will shut up now. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but. Uh, We'll see you next week um, for for the big live live show, as it's going to be known as. Up the imps! Up the imps! It's the ninetieth minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.